Hi, everyone, and welcome to ForageCast, a podcast from Forage Genetics. Each month, we take a deep dive into alfalfa topics and address real on-farm issues that revolve around alfalfa's integration into cropping systems. And now, here's your host, Emily Message. In case you missed it, part one of our discussion dove into the nitrogen benefits of alfalfa and how it can be used to decrease nitrogen fertilization needs. Today is part two of our benefits of alfalfa and cropping systems discussion, where we are examining how alfalfa can improve on-farm management and production when included in your cropping rotations. We are back with Dr. Craig Schaefer, Professor of Agronomy and Plant Genetics at University of Minnesota. Craig, thanks for staying with us. I'd like to continue our discussion that we started last time regarding including alfalfa in cropping rotations. And today I'd like to get a little bit deeper into some of the other rotation benefits that we had discussed. So rotation benefits are the really combined effects of one crop on the subsequent crop in rotation. And these combined effects can be the addition of uh, nitrogen through biological nitrogen fixation, as we just discussed. They can be disruption of pest cycles, whether they be insects or weeds. They can be effects due to soil stabilization, reduced erosion. So it's a combination of all those things which have a positive effect on the yield of the subsequent crop. And I, being from the Midwest, I focused a lot on the alfalfa corn rotation, but as we travel around the country, there'd be other uses of alfalfa, like alfalfa with vegetables, that the growers could certainly take advantage of the alfalfa rotation effects. Absolutely. You know, now that you mention it, one of the more recent uh, articles that I've read was out of Dan Putnam's lab at UC Davis, where they were looking at alfalfa in rotation with tomatoes. So they compared a three-year alfalfa crop than one year of tomatoes compared to a continuous corn tomato rotation. And they found some really positive benefits of alfalfa. Obviously, there was the the nitrogen fertilizer credits, which we discussed last time. But they also found things like increased mycorrhizal fungal numbers, which were 66% greater with the alfalfa rotation compared to the corn tomato rotation. What sort of benefit do we have by having increased soil mycorrhizal numbers? Well, so soil mycorrhizae, which are a type of fungi in the soil, and we we could all we should we should say here that the soil is just teeming with microbes. Billions of bacteria and fungi are there, and the mycorrhizae fungi are have been known to actually attach to plant roots and help the plant roots in absorption of nutrients like phosphorus and some micronutrients, as well as taking up water. So we have, again, this dynamic activity in the soil, which alfalfa really contributes to. And some of that might be through the addition of carbon, as we've talked about already. And uh, overall, we know that it's it's a very healthy system. I think some of that same work that you uh, just mentioned showed that that there was a tremendous increase in aggregation. Mm-hmm. That's the clumping of small particles, soil particles together, and therefore water infiltration in the soil from growing alfalfa. 
So does a lot of this have to do with the fact that alfalfa is a perennial crop? So it's in there for a couple of years. We're not going through and, and working up the soil. Or is there something inherent about the fact that it's a legume that's contributing to this or maybe both? Maybe a better way to put this is, would we see the same changes with, say, a perennial grass species as we would with this perennial alfalfa? Yeah, so with alfalfa being a perennial, and which would mean it would persist for three or more years, we have the opportunity to minimize soil disturbance. And so this would promote the growth of soil, fungi, and microbes. In alfalfa, we know does excrete nitrogen and also some amount of of carbohydrates through the roots, which soil microbes can benefit. One of the um, factors that we all know with alfalfa that as stands age, that some plants die. So there's a natural thinning that occurs. So there is a continual addition of, of organic matter, organic compounds to the soil. So all of these things are really good. So I know when I've read through quite a bit of the literature available on, you know, evaluating soil microbes and and soil fungi, and time and time again, I just see where alfalfa seems to have that higher level of soil microbia compared to even other perennial species that are grown. What sort of significance does that have? I mean, is that what we would call improved soil health or is that just something, a fact that we've found? Well, I think the the indicators indicate that, yes, this is improved soil health. And everybody should look up soil health on, through the internet, and you'll find a lot of different uh, definitions of it. But, you know, I look at soil health, and I define it as all of those soil properties, which will be work together synergistically to promote plant growth. And so if you have good soil health, should have better plant growth. So it's things like organic matter, it's type of organic matter, it's aggregation. It's factors like soil pH, soil nutrients. And we, again, we may never go back to the prairie ecosystem where there is closed nutrient cycling. But by growing perennials like alfalfa, we can try to get as close as we can to that system. One of the the things that you mentioned there is organic matter. And I don't think that we can have any sort of soil health conversation without talking about organic matter. Has there been much research done looking at how alfalfa can improve organic matter content of the soil? Are we seeing large gains there compared to, say, a continuous cropping rotation of corn or even a corn-soybean rotation? So in some um, recent work done in Iowa, looking at soil carbon and crop rotations. The monoculture corn had a soil carbon level of about 50 tons per acre. A corn owed alfalfa rotation close to 60 tons and undisturbed grassland close to 70 tons. Now, those are some numbers from a specific experiment. And there's no doubt that soil carbon additions are strongly impacted by length of alfalfa stand and type of tillage you have, as well as the climate. 
And certainly if you're on a sandy soil where you have make greater uh, oxidation, that carbon levels may accrual may be slower. However, these numbers point in the direction that if we have more alfalfa in a rotation, we're gonna add more carbon. And it makes a lot of sense. You're not disturbing the soil. You're adding carbon every year. And tremendous advantage versus the annual systems. We're having this discussion about environmental benefits because many times agencies, state and federal, as well as researchers and growers don't don't put enough emphasis on the environmental impacts of alfalfa. We think about feeding dairy cattle. And so mm-hmm. this environmental piece is something that difficult to put a value on. Mm-hmm. You know, we can value nitrogen, but adding carbon, there's no, it's difficult to value. But I think in the long run, growers are going to have much better yields if they incorporate alfalfa because of this overall impact on soil health. We're seeing more programs too. I mean, you look at Canada, they're already incentivizing farmers for increasing certain soil health parameters. We're seeing even in the U.S. where new programs are being developed, Land O'Lakes is one of them with their Truterra tool, where they're trying to monetarily incentivize farmers for using more sustainable practices. And I think that alfalfa is going to be one of the keys to this um, and incorporating alfalfa into these continuous cropping rotations. You know, one, there's, there's another factor worthwhile considering here. It's related to soil health and goes back to soil loss. And there is available a, a universal soil loss equation. Quite a few numbers uh, in there and assumptions. But in the end, you can calculate on a given soil, on a given slope, with a given tillage, you can measure the soil loss for alfalfa versus corn harvested mm-hmm. for grain. And you can guess which one has the greatest soil loss by far. By 100 times, it's much greater in the corn system than an alfalfa wow. system because you have that perennial ground cover, undisturbed soil for three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, depending on what residue is available in the fall, in the fall of the year, you can ascertain wind and soil erosion are going to be just about nothing from the alfalfa system. Well, and especially so, in areas with wind issues, that's huge. Yes. And so we can, we can talk about building soil organic matter, but we also need to look at alfalfa and say, we're not going to have any soil loss either. So it's building and saving. Yeah. So if you lose two tons of soil, you know, a year from your field, from wind and water erosion, that ain't good. No, I think that we've learned the hard way in the past why that's such a huge problem, losing particularly large amounts of soil. You know, one other thing that I've heard about with alfalfa, especially on these large CAFOs, some agencies are actually moving to making recommendations to including alfalfa in their rotations because of water benefits. So because alfalfa is able to better capture nutrients, say, decrease the nitrate runoff. Have you heard of any of these instances? I know one was in Minnesota, actually, and one was over here closer to me in the Chesapeake uh, Bay watershed. Do you think that this is going to be happening more and more? 
Well, it's been a certainly a big issue in Minnesota where we're having major problems with contamination of well waters, surface waters with nitrogen, also phosphorus. And uh, from a surface water standpoint, this nitrogen has ended up going, leaving Minnesota and going down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico and having tremendous ecological and environmental impact down there. In Minnesota, in terms of its impact on drinking waters, it's been devastating as well in, because of the fact when nitrate goes into drinking water, if the concentration goes above tens parts per million, there's real issues with health of infants um, and adults. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this nitrate loss, it's an external, external cost of producing corn is due to the nitrogen fertilization practices and that it is just not all utilized. You put it on for various reasons, there's a loss. And some work done several years ago now, but I still think it's current, that was done at Waseca, University of Minnesota Waseca, showed that in with alfalfa, and this is looking at nitrogen loss to subsurface tile drainage, the alfalfa nitrogen loss was about two kilograms of nitrogen per hectare, whereas with continuous corn, it's almost 90. Wow. And with the top. So with alfalfa utilizing nitrogen, and it will, although it conducts biological nitrogen fixation, it will also suck up nitrogen from the soil and utilize it too. And it has a very, very deep taproot, which can go down around 20 feet deep. That there'd be tremendous environmental impact there, particularly related to the the uh, nitrogen use or reduction in the loss. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at alfalfa as a plant, not only is it providing nitrogen to the soil, but it's soaking up excess nitrogen, providing us yet another benefit. I mean, really, it's amazing to me that more people don't recognize these and choose to include alfalfa in their rotations. Well, what's happening in Minnesota now is that the state Department of Agriculture and Pollution Control Agency has established these wellhead protection zones around the city municipal water supplies. And Mm -hmm. they've tried to look at alternative crops to grow compared to growing corn soybean rotation because that's a leaky system for nitrogen. And it's got the attention of our governmental leaders because of the fact that there's health issues, but also there's a tremendous economic cost just associated with purifying water for people to drink. So, and and they're investigating alfalfa for that purpose then? Yes, and they're looking at using alfalfa for that purpose. Unfortunately, though, it often comes back to, okay, now we can grow alfalfa, but in southern Minnesota, where you have a lot of the corn soybean production and you have a lot of water quality issues, there aren't a lot of dairies to utilize the alfalfa. So what do we do with it now? Which is... You know, why we need to look at some alternative uses for alfalfa. I want to switch gears a little here and look at some of the other benefits alfalfa has to offer. One thing that we very briefly touched on earlier was how alfalfa can be used as a pest management tool. 
and you grow alpha in a rotation with other crops. And in our case, we grew it with corn where we had an issue with giant ragweed. You grow alfalfa, you cut it four times per year. You basically eliminate the growth of those annual weeds. In our case, again, it was giant ragweed. And you can minimize or eliminate that seed bank over time. So again, if you grow alfalfa for three years and you're defoliating it three, four times a year, sometimes, some locations five, alfalfa comes back, competes with those annual weeds, and you're defoliating those annual weeds continually. So great tool for managing herbicide-resistant weeds. And so that's, that's one type of pest. So there's other pests as well. You know, when you look at uh, most of these major crops, there have been developed some as they're grown basically in monocultures, different pests, insects, nematode pests, which we can minimize, maybe perhaps not eliminate by rotating crops with alfalfa. Yeah, I mean, that, that includes soil-borne diseases, soil-borne pathogens. That includes insects. You know, I mean, having a non-host crop in there can really help to break up that pest cycle, particularly if it's in there for a couple years, to the point where you may not necessarily have to have as much control measures, pest control measures, whether it be fungicides or, or herbicides, if you do this sort of continuous rotation of, say, three years alfalfa, two years corn, back to alfalfa for three years. We've seen research that shows that that can have a significant impact on the cost of controlling these different pests. Yeah, so we have an issue in Minnesota with soybean cyst nematode and which persists in our soils in these short corn soybean rotations. You put alfalfa in, which is a non-host crop, you can really minimize your soybean cyst nematode problems when you then ultimately turn to an alfalfa crop. That's just one example. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we need to take more advance, uh, advantage of these other types of diseases that affect other crops as well. Potato diseases, people use alfalfa in rotation with potatoes. So those are just two examples. You mentioned using al- alfalfa in terms of, of managing herbicide-resistant weeds. What role can Roundup Ready alfalfa play in that? You know, it kind of has a bad rap. People say that it's the cause of having these herbicide weed resistant populations. However, in my experience, what I'm seeing is it can actually be be a huge benefit in terms of controlling these weed populations because, as you said, you can harvest multiple times throughout the year and you still have that tool, which can help with that broad spectrum weed control. What are your thoughts on that? Does, does Roundup Ready alfalfa contribute to the herbicide-resistant weed population, or is it a beneficial tool? Well, I think in terms of this question about Roundup Ready alfalfa, is it good or bad in terms of weed control? Again, I think you need to back up and look at the whole system. We know that, that Roundup ready technology has been effective, especially for establishing alfalfa in the northern part of the U.S. because you control a diversity of weeds. And in addition to that, you don't get any negative effects on the crop growth. The challenge we have with the Roundup Ready technology is if we use Roundup as the only herbicide on all of the crops in that rotation, 
then we open the door to having herbicide resistant weeds. So in the case of Roundup Ready alfalfa, what is commonly done in Minnesota is it is used for establishment mm -hmm. and then for three years afterwards, there would be no herbicide application except in an emergency standpoint, from an emergency standpoint. So I would look at its, its use to be less broad, less frequent in alfalfa than in, we would see in corn and soybeans. And then speaking of those crops, the dilemma that those growers have is they depended only on Roundup and now they've switched to some other pre-emergent herbicides, some other post-emergent herbicides to change the type of herbicide they're using. Still so, we have weeds like uh, water hemp. We have weeds like Palmer amaranth and giant ragweed that are uh, resistant to several of these herbicide families. So it still goes back to the issue of diversification. You have alfalfa in there by the way it's managed you can minimize some of the weed problems that you see in the annual crops. But then in terms of the annual crops, farmers need to look at diversifying the herbicide families that are used. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. I mean, in my mind, it comes down to, to stewardship, you know, and, and not just relying on one tool, relying on all the tools available and planning too, to be quite honest. I mean, you, you got to know what you're dealing with and, and when's the most appropriate time to, to deal with it. And, and what do you use? What tools can, can work? So I think that we, we've reached our time limit here. We could probably go on talking for a few more hours with all of these topics. I do want to put one more plug in again for NAFA, the National Alfalfa and Forage Association's new campaign entitled Regeneration Nation. You can find more information on this at Regeneration nation.org. Uh, lots of information on this website regarding alfalfa sustainability, how to incorporate alfalfa into cropping rotations, and just some of the feeding benefits as well of alfalfa into dairy rations. So Craig, thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me all about alfalfa. It brings me back to the old days when we'd be sitting in the classroom, just you and me talking about alfalfa and, and how to grow it. So it was really good to kind of reminisce again and go down memory lane. Yeah, great to talk with you again. And uh, I'm glad that you're on the alfalfa team. <laughs> Thank you, Emily. And thanks to you, our listeners. If you'd like more information about forage genetics or any of the information you heard about today, please contact your local alfalfa seed dealer or visit our website at www.foragegenetics.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. Because of factors outside forage genetics control, such as weather, soil, planting, and product application, individual results cannot be predicted or guaranteed by Forage Genetics International. Always read and follow all label instructions.